Hello and welcome to Rick Radio Community News Desk, episode 92. I'm Anne Rutledge. Later in the programme, we talk with Jennifer Betts about her debut novel launch, Coffee Morning. But first, here's Owen Megan, editor of News 4, talking about this year's Christmas edition. Well, joining us on the Community News Desk now is Owen Megan, editor of News 4, local uh, paper here in the Dublin 4 area. Owen, you're very welcome to the podcast once again. Thanks for having me, Luke. And uh, hard to believe um, we're talking about the Christmas edition uh, this year. Wish you a happy Christmas. Is it too soon? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it doesn't say to me. I think everyone will be be ready. The paper's going to go out on the the 4th of December. So I think once the 4th of December comes out, we can can go to Christmas. We can go to Christmas. Yeah, yeah. It's come around so quick. I I just can't believe it. I mean, it's only like yesterday we're sitting here talking about Halloween and uh, there we go where's the year where's the year going where's the year going the the back Mm. end of it seems to be flying but for the Christmas edition to say out out quite early on the 1st of December it is yeah um, your cover page is to do with an alternative green Christmas. So tell yeah, us a little bit about that. A little bit about that. That's, uh, we, everybody's dreaming about a white Christmas, but we're dreaming about a green Christmas here. Uh, well, it's just we we took a little bit of an alternative um, slant on the whole Christmas thing, this, this issue with the whole thing about the environment and the climate. And people are so, you know, conscious about that now. We thought we'd do something different and we have... Um, um, tips and uh, ideas uh, about uh, how you could do maybe Christmas uh, that is more environmentally friendly and um, better f- better for the, the the planet, if you like. So things like uh, a Christmas tree. Do we have a, a, a real Christmas tree or do we have an artificial Christmas tree, um, which is the most environmentally uh, friendly? I would have. I got a surprise. Actually, it's, apparently the answer is the the real one, the real tree. I would have thought that um, you would you would think that an uh, artificial tree would be you know you could you could use it year year after year after yeah, year yeah but it, so it's kind of counterintuitive that uh, the actual real tree is apparently better for the in, environment and the reason is because when they, you you cut them you can replant them you can grow more they they actually have to grow trees to you know for 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 the, the Christmas season. Um, and apparently they give off uh, uh, less uh, less emissions as well so um, than plastic ones and it cuts down on the creation of plastic and all that so apparently they're actually they're actually better for, for the in the environment I have to say I, I don't get one myself but um, maybe I'll have to start thinking about that this year and getting a real tree in yeah I know you have the, the alternative tree as they say the other one yeah uh, the other one yeah yeah but, uh, it's not, it's not again big. it's not big it's so but, small but it's so small but, yeah uh, surprised at that now I'm really, surprised, I'm surprised at that yeah, yeah too but, but apparently it is actually better, say better it, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. When, you, when you think about it. and then if you have a pot uh, if in a plant tree you can actually you know re, re- Set it, yeah. it again in, in, in the ground and, and, and so on. And um, it, it's, it's, it's just better all around, apparently. But we, we, we talk about other things in, in this uh, article, uh, like um, there's so much waste and so much uh, plastic and so much Christmas is, is not uh, a friendly time or a, an easy time for the environment, for the planet. Um, <clears throat> I mean, did you know, for example, that Irish people spent £1.3 billion 
euro in the weeks leading up to Christmas last year. That's staggering when you think about it. When you put that into context of all yeah. the, the other things going on, the homelessness and whatever. But anyway, that's uh, <clears throat> it's good for the economy in some ways, though, of course. Uh, and no doubt we'll spend as much this year as well. Like We all say we cut back and all that, but we don't. Um, uh, wrapping paper is another thing which is, is bad for uh, the environment because there's a lot of pla- plastic actually in wrapping paper and it gets, uh, you know, with the sellotape and all the, the rest of it, uh, mm. get plastic gets, gets um, uh, caught up on it as well. So there are alternative versions, uh, um, friend, uh, eco-friendly uh, uh, wrapping paper apparently out uh, that um, it's recyclable and uh, reusable, and it's it, it's actually good for the environment. You have to just check the label when, when you, remember to check the label when you're buying it. Maybe a few cents more dearer, but it, it's it's worth it for much better. Planet, yeah, uh, yeah. And of course, the other big the the real bug would be the Christmas decor the decorations. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> Sorry, I have a bit of a cold. Uh, the decorations on on the trees and all, on all that that's there. A lot of them would be plastic and would be not the best, you know. So um, we, we, a writer suggested that we, you go back to the, what they used to do in the old days. Apparently, the, the Christmas trees started way back in the, in the 15th, 16th century in Germany. They were the first to do it. But it goes way back even in, into pagan times when people uh, uh, in the wintertime we used to go out when the, the trees were bare and they would hang berries and, and uh, nuts and things that they gathered during the harvest time, mm. hang them on the trees for the birds and for the small animals, which was a lovely thing to do. Mm. And apparently that's the, the, the origin of hanging things on trees. Yeah. And, and we have decorations now, of course. Um, <clears throat> and as an aside there, it's probably no harm for people to go out and remember our birds and, and things and leave stuff out for them as well during the winter especially if the snow or whatever. But getting back to the Christmas tree, uh, we suggested that you can make your own decorations from old dried fruit uh, um, uh, and popcorn and things like that. You can actually make decorations and they tell you in, in the article how to do that. How so to do it. Do fabulous, so, fabulous. So it's just something yeah, different, yeah. yeah. And I, if it's, I suppose lights as well. Uh, lights, lights can be, well, with the LED oh, lights, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. They're, they're a lot better, but don't use anything in the, the old kind because they're just a, a terrible on the, hard, hard on the environment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, all the, the city lights now are, are lead and all that. Like they have to be because they're they use very little um, uh, energy, you know. So uh, just it's just a lot of tips, and there's a lot more obviously in the article that I'm just covering here. Uh, tips to how to make it uh, greener, how to make it more eco friendly, how to make it uh, just uh, eat better for the planet. Because you know we all know that um, well with the, the we, you know it's in a bit of a crisis at the moment. Yeah. People are trying to uh, be you know greener, be more. Uh, more conscious, I suppose, about how we live and how we uh, use use the, the natural resources we have, and we still like to enjoy Christmas. So maybe we can, you know, find a compromise absolutely, there, you know? absolutely. and not you just not use so much plastic. And you don't even have to wrap ev- everything. You can use old fashioned, uh, uh, even suggested uh, newspaper. Yeah, that's newspaper. Uh, <laughs> I know news for all. News for, oh old yeah, editions. Uh, oh, old editions of news for yeah. Knew they'd come in handy for something. <laughs> Yeah, uh, talking yeah. about uh, yeah. alternatives as yeah. well. Um, oh, and you have a, we, a, an article on a crochet Christmas yeah. tree. Tell we have we have a few that. alternative things in, yeah. in, in this issue about uh, just something different for alternative Christmassy uh, articles. 
the Crochet Christmas, uh, this is kind of a new, a new one on me. Apparently it, it started uh, locally in Ring's End here with a group of ladies from different ladies uh, clubs got together and decided it'd be a good idea. They were obviously doing knitting and crocheting and, and so on. Crochet, for anyone who doesn't know, is a form of knitting with one needle. It's, 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 and it's a, it's, a, it's a very, very skilled uh, and... Um, uh, art like it's, it's a form of knitting really but it's it's called crocheting and uh, they got together and they said they're going to make a, you know a Christmas tree they've actually made two trees uh, and uh, the, what they just they all got together and they made different pieces themselves uh, from cloth uh, and they're apparently they're it, it's it's the kind of cloth that actually is, is endures in, in, in weather so it's going to, going to be put outside uh, they're going to be pinned to uh, a metal uh, a stand. I think our friends from uh, Men's Sheds have actually got together and made this. Made Indeed, the, yeah. They made this. They made the stand, and that they they're going to be put all, all all over the stand in the shape of of a tree. <clears throat> all the different uh, squares and and uh, rectangles and different uh, uh, cloths made from thick thick acrylic uh, uh, material uh, put together. And um, there are going to be two of them, apparently, one uh, in South Lots and another one here in Irish Town. Lovely. And the one in South Lots' yeah. opening is, it, it has an official open day on the 3rd of, January, of December, I think. And the Irish Town one is the 9th of December, but just check the paper for that. Uh, <clears throat> and they're doing it uh, as a tribute to all the local people who passed away over over, over the last uh, fantastic months, yeah. Which yeah yeah we all know people unfortunately who we, we lost over the last twelve months, and I just think it's a lovely idea, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. I've never something actually different. Seen, as I've as never as actually yeah, seen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned before the interview whether be tr uh, lights or not, I have no idea uh, whether they will or not, but um, because it's something totally new for the, that um, I've come across as well. But I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I think it's a wonderful idea. Something different as well. True enough, Something yeah, yeah, obviously kind of yeah. the environment, like you know, and uh, bringing people's skills in, especially with the, the in memory of of, of uh, the people that we we, we lost. sadly yeah. missed. Yeah, lost and and and, and miss. So that's that's something we can read up about, and uh, then we have another uh, kind of an alternative article written by a um, <coughs> guest contributor now who's been uh, writing a few articles for us, uh, Helen Walsh. Uh, you, everybody here knows Helen from um, in, in the community. She's a life coach and a health coach, and uh, she works here in Ringsend. You've had her on, on the show many times, I think. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, Helen has written a, a, a beautiful piece uh, about, um, you know, doing Christmas your own way is, kind of, is, is the theme of it. Um, and really, uh, if I can just summarise it in, in, in a few words, I mean, I, I don't know about you, Mick, but I, I love Christmas. I, I, I'm a Christmas person. Some people aren't Christmas people. I, I'm, I'm a Christmas person. I love the build-up to it. I love the excitement. It just sort of brings out the 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 child in me still which because I, I also love Christmas as a child and it's sort of even though I know it's far too commercial and we spent all this money as I said and um, which should be spent on, on 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 helping people you know get houses and whatever but it just brings out the kid in me and it brings out something so I also find there's something magical even about Christmas morning I love spending with family and I love uh, meeting family mm, and over yeah. friends over Christmas it's a time I think when people are just kinder to each other or um, just calmer. a little bit calmer yeah um, <laughs> I know they said we can go over the top with with the with the, the celebrations, but people are a little bit just 
more thoughtful of, I, I, I think, of, of others at Christmas. And that's what I like about it. But anyway, getting back to Helen's article, she, not everybody likes Christmas like me. like me, And there are people who have very genuine reasons why they don't. Uh, they mightn't just like Christmas. They might have, uh, might, feel, might be depressed. A lot of people suffering from mental illness. Um, and uh, d- depression and uh, bipolar or whatever, all kinds of things. And Christmas might be a huge just pain and they don't just don't like it and they don't, yeah, yeah. you know. There's also the financial pressures as well. We have, um, as you know, like anyone who's, who's struggling uh, and uh, just trying to get by week to week on, on maybe their their paycheck or their uh, uh, allowance or whatever. And this suddenly this pressure comes along and kids see uh, all these you know, advertisements for toys and the latest things on the television and whatever, and the pressure there is to buy these things. And uh, it can be a very hard time. It can be a very depressing time. For it can be a very lonely time for people at Christmas. A lot of people are, are, are very lonely. There's, we usually have articles about um, from alone uh, in, in the paper at Christmas too because it's, it's a hard time for older people and people living True. on their yeah. own. Yeah. Um, and also anyone who's lost someone in, in, in the year just passed, it, it can be hard facing into Christmas uh, without the person that they loved or their, their mother or father, whoever it is. So it can be a very hard time. So this article addresses all that. And it basically says that you don't have to go along with the whole razzmatazz. You can do your own thing. And it talks about how to cope with, with things like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fabulous. It's actually really good. So, look, uh, uh, yeah. Needed badly, as I say. We do, because, we do, we do. Because uh, Christmas you, is not you, the same you for everybody. a number of points there, yeah, yeah, be, yeah. be it mm. missing loved ones, be it yeah. financial pressure. Yeah. Or, as you say, yeah. just not liking the whole razzmatazz <laughs> of, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. of Christmas. And, but, you know, you don't have to be a, a Grinch or, 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 or a, a Scrooge if you don't like Christmas. Some people just don't like Simple yeah, as that, yeah, like, you know? yeah. And it's over It's overhyped, and um, we tend to forget the, the the message at the centre of Christmas, which is about peace and love and all that. And that tends to get lost a bit, doesn't it? Well, that's how we have plenty of that <coughs> this Christmas as well. Worldwide, we're having a few worldwide. We're having issue a issues at the moment, there. as I say. Yeah, 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 that, so yeah. Especially around the Holy well. Land, around the Holy Land, and all that. Good to hear from that. Helen there, and uh, yes, yeah. We spoke about the uh, Andy Warhol exhibition uh, in the last issue. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we have a new exhibition coming to the National Gallery, and that's the John Lavery exhibition. Can you yeah. just outline it's, what that's it's, all it's about? Called, it's called Lavery on Location. It's actually opened uh, at the moment in the, uh, already in the National Gallery here in, in, in Dublin, and it's running until the 14th of January. So it's well worth uh, well worth a visit. I'd, I'd recommend people go along to it. They've given several rooms out to it and all that. Uh, John Lavery was uh, born in Belfast. <coughs> he was uh, in the nineteenth century. He was he's he's mostly well known as a portrait artist, a, a painter artist, but he also does, has done some amazing landscapes as well. His his work is very colourful, very very. Uh, how, how would I say it really draws you in and make, it makes you feel like a part of, of, of the scene almost. And so it's, it's really, really, it's, it's one of the really good pieces. Lavery travelled a lot. He, he believed if he wanted to paint something like you had to actually go there and, and meet the people and uh, absorb, absorb the, the atmosphere and the whole climate or whatever it was there. And he, so he travelled to Morocco. He did a lot of um, oriental paintings in Morocco and, and Tangiers and places like that and Seville, a lot of... Um, Obviously, Moorish uh, um, elements and influences still in Seville, uh, in Spain. He was. He went to Venice as well. He travelled. He went even as far as California, and he travelled all around the world. 
But he's probably best known for his, his portraits of his wife, Hazel, and also known as Lady Lavery. Uh, <clears throat> he received a knighthood in the, in I think it was 1918 or something like that. And Lady Lavery, it, Lady Lavery is a very interesting character. She was born in Chicago of an Irish uh, uh, Catholic family. And she, <clears throat> she's a strikingly beautiful woman. She was all one of the, described in one of the, the Chicago papers as the most beautiful woman in the world at the time. Uh, she, uh, Lavery was her second husband. She married, um, uh, a man called uh, Trudeau and she had a daughter with him, Alice and uh, he died uh, very young after only a few months uh, married apparently and he, he died and then she met John Lavery when he was over in America <clears throat> she met him and they fell in love and they got married and um, they, she, he, he painted so many pictures of her that she became almost his his totem like that uh, yeah, yeah. of, of, of uh, Anyway, she's most famous for being the lady on the Irish, the old Irish uh, notes. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I don't know if, if, if our younger readers probably won't remember this because they they obviously went out of circulation from the euro came in. But before that, uh, all the old Irish pounds and twenties and whatever had a lady on it, and she was she was in the guise of Kathleen Houlihan and uh, different uh, Irish myth- mythological figures. But it was always actually Lady Lavery. Yeah, he, yeah. he painted and and he painted he painted her. And uh, people even even used to remark. I remember when I was a kid. Uh, you know, if you had a pound, uh, uh, the strikingly beautiful lady on 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 the Irish pound, uh, uh, and that that was Lady Lavery, and she was she was also a great socialite and a great woman who did a lot of work for charity as well. Uh, the Laveries had a famous they had a house in Kensington. They lived in in London. They had a house in Kensington. Uh, he was a very wealthy man. Very yeah. very did very well in his paintings, and they they had this this palatial you know uh, grand house. And it was well known as uh, uh, as the the residence of the Irish delegation that came over in 1921 to negotiate the peace, peace uh, uh, the, the treaty. Uh, <coughs> Michael Collins and, and those people they, they stayed in in the Laveries in Kensington. Uh, and of course, there are the rumours as well that Michael Collins uh, had an affair with Lady Lavery, but we won't go into that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, John, getting back to the 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 man and and of the article, uh, John Lavery, uh, one of our, I wouldn't say forgotten, but uh, maybe slightly overlooked at the in, 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 at the moment. And uh, I'm delighted personally that, that this uh, exhibition is taking place in in the National Gallery, and I'm really. Uh, uh, encourage people to, to go along see it's, it's about 15 euros or something like that as you say something, something to do something, over the Christmas something to do over the Christmas yeah. and it runs up to the to the, the 14th of January. of January but I book I book now uh, yeah. you can book online I book now because you're going to forget about it I know I do t- I, I intend doing things after Christmas and then Christmas comes along New Year comes along uh, we all eat and drink too much and then you forget about forget it so all I, about I, it, I just yeah. b- b- book it now because it'd be well you, you really will um, be glad you did it's, it's, it's well worth it yeah Another thing that happens over Christmas, I suppose, is people watch a lot more films. They do. And with that uh, in mind, not to do with the Christmas film list, but uh, you have an article on the uh, censorship, film censorship, which is 100 years old. That's right, yeah, it is. In 1923, the the new Irish government, it was one of the first acts they did. You think they'd actually go about solving the poverty, but one of the first acts they did was set up the Irish film uh, censorship board. So... Uh, and uh, it was really it, it's actually it, it, it's, it's a good article it goes into in, into the depths of that because it was uh, 
you know, grotesque with some some of the things that went on. But anyway, they set up this, it was called the Irish Film Censorship Office, I think it was, it's the proper name for it, in 1923. Uh, and they're celebrating that, uh, um, uh, centenary of that at the moment. <clears throat> but at that time, they would watch, uh, look at all the films and anything in uh, that was considered indecent or blasphemous or scandalous or anything like that, and, you know, was... Um, it was cut basically. Uh, some films were even banned, uh, and, and the ones that were allowed had had any bits cut out of them. Uh, and we're not talking about you know pornography here. We're talking about like so. There's a lot of silly stuff come out and got yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, cut, uh, in a, films like Casablanca uh, had uh, bits cut out of them. Uh, Gone with the Wind, um, the, the Graduate had that had something like. 13 something beats cut out of it I don't know what, why because yeah. I mean, you know uh, <clears throat> it's a lovely film The Graduate but I don't think it's, it's in any way sexually uh, explicit uh, um, The Exorcist uh, so on and so forth but <clears throat> it's funny thing I mean the Gone with the Wind I mean the, the, obvious, the obvious bit was the, the final line uh, Rhett, Rhett Butler when he came in at the, the, the very end of the film and he says uh, frankly my dear I don't give a damn and it's, God we can't we can't be having Irish people here in that world. Yeah, yeah. So that was cut out. Uh, <clears throat> and um, and then in nineteen, the, the Frank Hall, uh, the 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 life of Brian came along in 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 the in the nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties. Yeah. Uh, and that was. Uh, Supposed to be scandalous, blasphemous actually. Blasphemous, uh, yeah. Frank yeah. Hall, the late Frank Hall, who was a bit of a character himself actually, but he uh, he was censored at the time and he banned actually banned the film. Um, and apparently, after seven years, you could uh, resubmit a film to be you know again. And uh, the next uh, censor was uh, um, Seamus. What do you call him? Second name just gone. Um, he was uh, the the censor at the time, and he 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 allowed, he allowed it to, 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 without any any cuts. So you know, uh, but uh, we it it it, it there's some very very uh, funny funny bits about that. Uh, I, I mean, it's not it's it's not funny, but it's, it it is to look back on it. But at the time, but they're was, still trying. I think to cut the life of Brian. Still, that um, yeah, John Cleese apparently was refusing to that's, alter it. That's right. Uh, yeah, there's still a lot of controversy uh, you know, about that. So, you know, there is um, a, yeah. But uh, and also a funny thing about the the um, the first censor uh, James uh, Montgomery uh, he, he he appointed by the government he uh, <coughs> famously famously said a famous quotation said I know absolutely nothing about films but he said I know the Ten Commandments and that's the code I'm going to go for. there you go yeah <laughs> so that was yeah. the religion thing coming yeah, into yeah, it and all that yeah. uh, but thankfully things have changed over the last years and. Um, we have uh, we've moved now from censorship to uh, classification. So it, 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 their films are classified uh, uh, what's appropriate for and not or not appropriate for children and all that. Obviously, you need something like that. Yeah, really. yeah. And, it's uh, not a straight cut. Something. Yeah, instead of a straight cut, instead of treating adults like children, you can have classification so where children are not allowed in and where adults are. So. It's good, but it's interesting to look back on... on, on good on, article on to read. It's very good, yeah. A- absolutely. Yeah. We had the, the Storm Debbie there recently <coughs> causing mm. havoc uh, yeah. across the, the country. And, of course, uh, an article that you have is about the um, defences down in uh, yeah. Sandy Mount, the title yeah. defences. And, and there's a, a bit of contentious issue here. There is Owen. There is a contentious issue with the, with the, the title defences in, in uh, Sandy Mount. Uh, it's actually becoming a big issue. Um <coughs> 
The Sandymount and Merrion Resident Association, or SAMRA as they're called, I think they're the oldest uh, resident association in Dublin. Uh, and they've been, you know, in, in, in the wars with the government and with the Dublin Corporation uh, County Council over the last number of years over various issues but at this time I think they really ha- have a, a, a real case to, to argue for and there uh, because the Sandy Mount uh, alleviation scheme a water scheme uh, a tidal water scheme uh, which ran from I suppose the defences uh, uh, from the Merrion Gate to uh, Sh- uh, Sh- uh, Sean Moore Park uh, <clears throat> that's that need that needs to be enhanced and it needs to be developed and uh, they were pr- promised that, that it would be developed like over the last 20 years it was supposed to be finished in ni- 2019 and it still hasn't been finished and then with covid was put on on the long finger and it still hasn't and the latest uh, uh, from the opw who are in charge of all that is that it won't be built up for the next uh, for another 10 years and the the residents are very justifiably angry about this mm. <coughs> and um you mentioned the OPW there. Is it an yeah. OPW situation or is it a Dublin City Council situation? As far as I know, it's the OPW. They seem to be blaming the OPW about, the, yeah. the, about this now. But uh, I would have thought that, yeah, it was the City Council as well. Um, but uh, it's it's difficult because uh, people there, their houses are getting flooded, mm. uh, risk of being flooded. Uh, and and we saw what happened later recently in Cork. Mm. We saw with the floods, would you say the storm, the uh, Debbie and whatever. Um, we saw what happened in, in, in Wexford. We saw houses being flooded. We saw shops, uh, businesses Galway. being destroyed. Yeah. Galway yeah, as well. Over, yeah. Galway, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Spanish Arch was totally uh, uh, covered and flooded uh, there recently. And it's only a matter of time before that's going to happen in Sandy Mount. So, and people who are afraid of losing their businesses, their houses, their homes, and as well as that they can't get insurance as well. A lot of them can't get insurance yeah, because... Once of, you get it once, that's uh, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. It, it, it's something needs to be done quickly and to just kick it down the road for 10 years, it's just not good enough. And I think they, they are really uh, quite incensed about it. An election issue owned with local elections coming up on general elections election election probably maybe, next year yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely going to be a big issue. So they're... They're uh, up in arms about that, and that's we're covering that article as well. Lovely, and uh, I suppose a, a good news article is uh, good news Ma- for Marion College, uh, yeah. of course, uh, just there at, at uh, uh, the Balls Bridge side of things. Yeah. Um, they're fifty years celebrating their drama and musical society. They are indeed, yeah, yeah, Mar- brilliant college, Marion College, there, uh, just up the road from us, and uh, they have in apparently nineteen seventy three they had their uh, they set up their drama and musical society, uh, and they're celebrating fifty years of it, and all has been going great ever since. Never missed a year apart from the during COVID. Uh, the first play apparently was the play by of the Western World, uh, perennial favourite. And two years later, in 1975, they had their first musical, which was Oliver. Uh, and, and they've been going great since, so well done to them. And this year, they're doing The Adams Family. And it's on from the. You do. The, 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 <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, as you do. So watch out for uh, the uh, Very good film. Uh, they're doing the musical of that. Uh, they're doing the. It's on on the 13th. To, to the 15th of December so in the college so brilliant, brilliant. so people can get tickets for people them can get yeah, go, yeah. go to the college and get tickets there for that yep. fabulous, yeah, yeah. fabulous. So, so you have a bump, bumper issue coming a up a bumper issue yeah every <coughs> Friday uh, the first uh, this Friday yeah we and have um, and we have uh, oh, we have lots of uh, lots of other things but we just covered we have loads of, of a film as well 
uh, Christmas films, we cover the Christmas films and all that we yeah. need to watch and no censorship, as you said. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, peeling back the pages, of course, uh, looking back. Which in, is great. Past, yeah. 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 And uh, oh. lots of other things, sport and all the, all, all the, the, the various other, uh, the regulars, as you, as you I might think say. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, oh, many, many congratulations on, on a great year on uh, News 4. Thanks very much um, for having us, Mick. And, uh, as you say, yeah. you're, mm. you're going out with a, a bumper issue. Yeah. And uh, we look forward to speaking with you in, in 2024. I will indeed, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully <laughs> we'll we wish you a happy Christmas, a man that uh, loves Christmas. A man that loves Christmas. Thank yeah, you very uh, much, Mick. Uh, and thanks for having us in and uh, for all the support you, you give us uh, News 4 over the years. And thanks very much. You're very welcome. All right. Thank you, Mick. Come and join us at our Retro Café. Open weekdays from 10 until 2 here in the community centre. Come and check out our Karen's culinary delights. You're listening to the Community News Desk on Rick Radio. Uh, I'm joined this morning by Jennifer Betts. Jennifer, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Anne. Now, you're here to talk to me about the book Coffee Morning. Yeah, so um, the book is inspired by my parents who separated in their 60s. And uh, it's kind of like a... A, t- a thing you didn't do in Ireland was separate so late mm. in life. And uh, the book started off as a short story and a bit of a form of therapy and then turned into a book and grew legs from there. And how long was it in the writing? Oh, a long time. Um, I said I wrote it as a short story and then I says, OK, there's something more to it here. This is going to go on. And I left it for a few years and then went back to it and a couple of times felt like throwing the laptop out the window but <laughs> but I got there um uh, eventually and yeah got published during lockdown so it's wrestling these things into shape isn't it because yeah. you can present people with this tidy little novel all bound up and looking wonderfully polished yeah but it's the years that go into actually you know oh, yeah. getting it's, it all into the shape you it want really it to be. is it's blood sweat and tears mm-hmm. like you know it really is so some days you feel inspired and you're writing loads the next day nothing's coming out so but yeah. And you say this was inspired in some ways by your your family's experience. But can you tell me a little bit about the characters and the story? Yeah. So uh, the main character's name is Mary. So I was inspired by my mother and she kind of finds herself separated as she's 65. She's separated from her husband and she always played the dutiful wife and mother um, which is what my mother did, you know, she lived for her kids and still does. And so Mary in the book uh, decides to set up a coffee morning. She doesn't want to sit at home being depressed about her failed marriage. So she decides to do something for herself for the first time in her life. So when you say coffee morning now, it's, when we're saying this, you can't hear the difference in the spelling. But yeah. the title of itself is spelled M-O-U or N-I-N-G. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I picked the word morning because um, the women that Mary meets in the coffee morning, they're all kind of mourning something, uh, something missing from their life. So Mary would be her husband and there's a former model in there and she's missing her glory days and there's another girl and she's mourning uh, a baby she really wants to have. And so they're kind of all there, um, which they discover is they're all a bit lonely and and they're so different and they realise like they actually do have something in common at the end of the day. So And would these be women at different ages as well? Like, they're at very different yeah. ages, yeah. Um so like thirties, eighties, um, yeah, and they just they're so different at the beginning and then they just become 
the, the best friends that Mary never had, really. I think it's something I've seen as I've gotten older myself. Like I remember being like in my teens and 20s, reading the great novels and going like, oh, these people at these stages in their lives. But that's fine. That's just what life is. Yeah. And like youth is where it is. That's where the adventures are. Yeah. That's where the choices are. That's where the dangers are. But yeah. every single day and year that passes, it's just another set of choices that people are faced with. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when I start writing the book and <clears throat> excuse me um, about Mary, and all these new things she was doing for herself. As I was writing the book, my own mother was starting to do these things. She was starting to get out and have a social life for herself, which she never did. And even my dad, he went off and did his thing. And so um, they're, my parents are really strong characters in themselves. So when I kind of got pen to paper, I was like, OK, I took elements of them. And the, as I said, the main character, she's it's totally new to her to have a life for herself for the mm. first time ever really so because yeah. it's that thing of being that label that role that people fill and it becomes a structure you build your life around isn't it yeah Whether it's your family or your job or yeah. your goals and when that kind of falls away it's left left then with you so yeah. who are you then exactly and um i mean like the character and certainly my mother um, would never occur to her to, take, to kind of find herself mm. at 65. And the character kind of, she she has done that. She's scared, she's terrified of getting back out into the world and finding out who she is. Because, um, I mean, she, you know, they came from a background of straight out of school into work, mm. straight out of home into marriage, kids followed, and that was our life, so... Yeah, the narrative is already written for you then yeah. almost, isn't it? And there's a comfort in that and there's yeah. a confidence in that. Absolutely, yeah. So then what's the next step going to be? Yeah, exactly. It's like, where do we go from here? So Now you say this started as a short story. And yeah. Did you write that story or did you pick up the pen because you wanted to process some of these things? Yeah, was, I mean, it's very hard when your parents separate and it doesn't matter what age you are. It's, it's kind of that institution is kind of... Mm. You know, it's it's fallen away and so was my way of coping was to write. Um, so I've been writing since I was in school and I always found when I wrote something down, it kind of put it in perspective for me and helped mm. me understand it better. Get a bit of distance from it, read it back, figure out how it yeah, makes you feel. Whether definitely. that's the truth of what you're feeling then too. Yeah. So I think when yeah. you can confront the truth of what you're feeling is when you can really come to terms with it. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, I mean, even... Like my parents, when they read the book, they even saw my point of view and my mm -hmm. my position in the family of, you know, OK, my parents aren't together anymore, but they're still fantastic parents yeah. and they just need to do their own thing right now. And that's part of, I think I say, I hope someday I grow up. But I think part of growing up is seeing your parents as humans, as humans, as yeah. people, yeah. you know, as you know, you, you grow up thinking that you're. They know everything and everything they do is or right. They know and nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Except in your teenage years when they know and they know nothing. Um, yeah, and it's just like to uh, to see kind of, uh, especially my mother, to see her as just a woman, you know, and she's she was a woman before she had kids, before she got married, and um, and now she's a woman again, and she's kind of doing things for herself. Was there ever any difficulty or sensitivity then in writing about something that's so emergent for your own family? Um, yeah, like I was I was careful, you know, um, writing the book. Um, I, I used to follow my mum and dad around sometimes and 
write things down. I'm like, oh, that's good. That's good for the book. Say it again. Yeah. But um, I mean, the, you know, their separation, there was there was no third party. There was no big scandal. There was no big, big argument. You know, they just uh, weren't happy together. And and I think my interpretation of that is um, I don't I think they had they had tough upbringings and uh, like worked a lot and. And they never really had time to be themselves. Mm. And then suddenly in their 60s, they got that opportunity. It's finally. mad, isn't it? That yeah. That's a luxury. The yeah. time to just get a bit of sense of self or sense of comfort with who yeah, you are. Yeah, absolutely. You just shelve that because there's other stuff to be done that's more pressing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And has that been something in your writing since you've been, like since you started, you said you've been writing since school. Has it always been informed by the people and experiences around you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I've, I've a big enough family. I have two brothers, two sisters, and uh, I've taken elements of them and put them into short stories and in, into my book as well. And I, I was mostly short stories I wrote when I was younger and poetry. And but I kind of felt like if I was going through anything emotional, uh, if I wrote that poem about that experience, I kind of boxed it off and okay, that's, that's, I've dealt with that. That's on a page and I can put it away. So it was, that was my way of expressing, expressing myself. It's when you think of all this stuff about mindfulness and journaling, that's become so au fait over the last couple yeah. of years and people saying, this is what you do. It's write your bullet points. It's how you end your day. It's how you start your day. You get mental clarity from it. Yeah. But it sounds like that's something you've been doing through your yeah. writing since you were younger. It is. And it's a great release. You know, it really is. Um, and it kind of when your thoughts get all muddled in your head and you write them on paper and you're like, OK, they're not as scary as I thought. And so I can I can work with this, you know, so it definitely does help. And would you have had other people reading these stories since you were younger or were they written for you in more? Um, yeah, I would, I would have other people reading them Um, entered a few competitions over the years and um, got a um, couple of stories published mm-hmm. and. Um, but definitely the book I knew I knew after say when I got to the 10th page I said okay this is going to go on so, you can kind of feel the, the, the shape of it looming yeah, over you yeah and I like I knew the beginning middle and end was in my head I just had to get it written down so yeah. now you said there was a long time coming in the working of it but I always wonder with edits and so on does it ever feel finished or do you have to just step away eventually and go it has to go out it has to be ready yeah oh god I must have edited about three times myself before I sent mm-hmm. it to a publisher and then the publisher edited it then and then it came back to me and then I had to look over it again so it's really um, it's become my baby you know my <laughs> Your baby, you've got to cover it off. That's like. it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, now you're having an event to launch it in the Rings and Irish Town Community Centre on the 4th of December. Can yeah. you tell people about it, please? Yeah, so um, I've invited uh, uh, media along and local groups and a, a lot of people. I've had great support in Rings End for my book. Mm. Um, a lot of people have read it and they're passing it to friends, which is great. So uh, the launch will be a couple of hours and a few refreshments and I'll read an extract from Coffee Morning and I'll also read an extract from the new book that I'm working on as well. I was going to so. ask because I mean, the Coffee Morning is it's 
done now and it's printed yeah. so you can't keep at it but there's yeah. also a sense to when's the next one it's as if this hasn't been like a long drawn yeah. like, come on go back on it yeah. when is the next one I'd say next year definitely um, I don't think this one will take as long uh, as Coffee Morn and Coffee Morn was kind of a lot of emotion put into it um, the new book is um, I, I can see myself writing it in six months because mm-hmm. I know everything that needs to go into it so and is this the first book that you've finished yourself? I yeah. So that's a real book. departure in form, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think you've talked a little bit about some of the plot points that the characters in it are dealing with difficult things in their lives. Yeah. Is that the tone of the book itself? Is this something that people should come to with a sense of like, oh, this is going to be heavy or is there? Um, I think it's it can be very lighthearted as well mm-hmm. and funny. Like I wanted to make, um, I mean, they're, they're weekly coffee morning. They're, they're hesitant at first. They're nervous. And then they start to chat and then they like have nights out. They even have mm-hmm. a little holiday at some stage. And so it's not... Um, I wouldn't say it's overly, overly emotional, but there are kind of elements and I'm sure people, um, I mean, I've had men read the book and, but generally it's, it's kind of aimed at the older woman Mm -hmm. and about, um, I always call, I call them the silver separators. So (laughs) they're kind of underrepresented and, uh, and know they get to that age and they say, well, I'm not very happy, you know, just people in general, I'm not very happy, but I'm 65. There's nothing I can do about it now. But this book is kind of hopefully inspires people to say, mm. no, well, you can actually you can do something about it now if you want to. And so. to sort of see that this is the, your choices you can make at any age, no yeah. matter what situation you're in. Yeah, I just hope it inspires somebody, mm. you know, to say, OK, I'm not happy with this in my life. Um, so that's something I'm going to change and. Isn't it, it's mad to think how much our society's changed. Yeah, like absolutely. divorce being legalised in the 90s. Yeah. And this just being a situation that so many women might have just spent all of their lives within. Yeah. And not having an option beyond it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And like I know, I know a lot of people, uh, especially in a community, like would be quite religious as well mm. and don't want to kind of go down that road. And OK, we'll just we'll just go along as we have been. Um, but I think I think if people read the book they might think you know okay that's she did it so I can do it so <laughs> there's other stories to be told yeah definitely <laughs> now if people would like to read the book themselves where can they find it uh, so the book is on Amazon and mm-hmm. it's also on my publisher's website blossomspringpublishing.com wonderful and the launch is happening here on Monday the 4th of December the 4th of December yeah and um, anyone listening is welcome to pop along and are you happy with that? Or is there anything else you like that? Nope. Yay! <laughs> That's all from the community news desk. My thanks to our guests Owen and Jennifer. The Christmas edition of News 4 will be out on Friday, the 1st of December, and Jennifer's launch is happening on Monday, December 4th from 7 to 9 pm. Also happening in the Irish Town Community Centre, Christmas Wonderland, Sunday, December 3rd, 2023, from 1pm to 3pm. There'll be a Christmas market, carols, live music and dance, face painting, a magic show, a Christmas grotto, Wonderland and Cuddles the Bear. There's also a Christmas karaoke competition with DJ Jer McGuinness and Santa visits are two euro per child, which includes a gift. So that is taking place on Sunday, December the 3rd from 1pm to to 3pm. Also my thanks to the Rick Radio crew, Adam, Ronan and Dylan on sound and editing, Leslie on admin, Jennifer on social media and Darren on the website. Take care and have a great week. 